So my name is Sabata Pereira, and I'm part of the preaching team. What's funny is that before I came up here, uh, we were at the back and we were praying, and Carlos prayed something, and it never went off me. And I'm, I'm going to say what you just said We're at the back. He said, we thank you, God, that we're going to give you worship, but the message is for us. And what is funny is that in worship, we tend to just sit and just say, hmm, let them, let others give worship. <laughs> worship is to give. And we always wonder if the giving part of it, what Kirk was doing, was the real giving. But really in worship, if all of us just gave, you see, the giving which comes later would not be an issue with people because they would freely give because that's all they doing all the time. <sighs> it's funny that he said that at the back, you know, and I'm supposed to give the message, and here I am saying, <laughs> message is for us, but the worship is for you, God. So even when as you said, yes, you are, yes, you are, you are all that you say you are, Jesus. You are Jesus. And I can't believe that we have come to a time where people will just give worship. Give worship. Give. Give. Let it change, Lord, in our time. Let it change where people learn to give worship, where worship is due. Give one to Caesar what Caesar has to get. But give unto Jesus what Jesus wants. Just give. Ah. ah, Jesus. You know what's crazy? Chris, come here. You stand. If, if I love Chris, right, and Chris is my love, right, I, he stands here and I'm facing him. And then you see, this, this is what we see in church in worship. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. But there's Jesus. If you ever caught a glimpse of Jesus' face, you wouldn't move for a second. You wouldn't move for a second. Thanks, Chris. You wouldn't move from a second to get distracted in your physical activity. Ha! Ha! This is not my message. But this is what you did to me when you prayed that. <laughs> and I have no bearing of what God wants with that. Just to change the church to believe that when it's time to give, Give him praise. Give him worship. Give him your offering. Give. And when you love, catch a glimpse of the face of Jesus. He's not that face of Jesus that is scarred and that is torn and that. We, 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 in the old, we have told, I grew up Catholic, so I grew up with that kind of picture in my face. And then once you see the beautiful face of Jesus, you will say thousands and ten thousands, Jesus' face is much more beautiful there because the beauty of Jesus will... And, just snare your heart. It will just capture you. It will enamor you. You can't help it. I'm sorry. You can't help but look at any other thing. You won't even look at your phone. You won't even like say, okay, I'm bored. Like, you know, you will just get just caught in that. And, and you don't have to do anything. That's the beauty of it. You just have to just look at his face. My message, I titled it and I don't know how it will work. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
So it, what I'm going to basically talk to you is not about something like this. It looks pretty, though, you know. But is Jesus the same yesterday, today, forever? There are times in the Bible where we basically read stories of the past. We say, oh, Jesus did that. But with the generation and the, the stuff that we hear outside is this Bible of the old is not relevant. It's like it was written then. No, no, no. It is very relevant for us today, and it is relevant for what is tomorrow. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? So when I w was reading Matthew 1, when you read genealogy, it's not very interesting, right? It's like reading the book of Chronicles. It's like, eh, this fellow's son and that fellow's son and who, you know, and, and, it's, and first and foremost, those names are really cool. But, you know, for that generation, and when I'm reading it, it's like, oh, okay. But this is about just Jesus, right? So the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son descendant of David, the son descendant of Abraham. That's cool. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers who became the 12 tribes of Israel. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Okay, you can say Tamar or Tamar. Either way, like, you know, if you're very Arab, you say whatever you are. <laughs> and then I skipped the verse 4, and um, I'll read this. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. What is funny is this. There are four women mentioned in this, in that whole genealogy. And you would think, right, if Abraham was there, you would think Sarah would be there and that, because Sarah is in, you know, Hebrews, in like all the giants of faith and all that, but she's not there in that. And it kind of bothered me, you see, because you, you give honor, right? Father and mother, you give honor, you know. And, and it's kind of like, you know, so I just went back. And I'll come back to this, so stay with me in that, right? So... Hebrews 11.11, 11. and it says, By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive a child even when she was long past the normal age for it, because she considered him who had given her the promise to be reliable and true to his word. The Passion Translation says, Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive even though she was barren and past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise, and she tapped into his faithfulness. What is the difference in that, why Sarah was a woman of faith? Was she tapped into God's faithfulness, not her ability? What has happened in the church is we are tapping into our ability. Chris, you play the guitar well, the anointing will come. Uh-uh. It doesn't matter. Yes, you can do what you are called to do, you see, but tapping and causing the anointing and for that glory to move in the church is where you tap into his faithfulness. He said he will be here with us when two or three of us are gathered that he will be here. And you're tapping into that. By his stripes, we are healed. We are tapping into that because of his stripes, not because of my kneeling down, not because of my saying all thousands of prayers, reading the Psalms and Proverbs, not because of that, but because of a genuine faithfulness of Jesus, the Messiah, this only one who can save, the only one Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, 
I want us, I'm, I'm taking us on this path because I feel there's a message for the church. And when I say the church, I mean the epicenter. I strongly believe that I have this unction from God. And I say this word very strongly, unction from God. I don't talk this language. I have this unction from God to announce as a church where we are going. As I just feel that. I, I have known this for the last couple of weeks, and I just stood at a place, and I was like, okay, God, this is not what I had in mind, but I have no idea how I'm going to do this. So I know that I have that unction. And it's funny that because I love the anointing. How many of you love the anointing, right? And I'm like, whoa. Like, yeah, you know, and I literally, I don't have to have a physical feeling. I don't have to have that to know that the unction, the very power of Jesus, the anointed one abides in me. And out of that is what is going to spring forth what I have to say. I just have that. You see, I, I do not need that thing, right? And it's funny because I'm like in worship, right? I'm supposed to be like all a mess and then like just carry that anointing and come into the message and like, you know, the anointing that like, you know, as you receive in worship, just suddenly start to lather the room. No, I didn't feel one thing that I needed to do in that sense. Not one thing. I didn't need to like speak in tongues more. I didn't need to this thing because I knew that same Jesus who was yesterday is here today. And that same Jesus has a word for you. That same Jesus has something to tell you is like for your tomorrow. And to tell you that, hey, I'm, I'm rooting for you to see you tomorrow come into that place what I have kept for you. That same Jesus who is from this Bible of yesterday is here today to tell you, is like, Bianca, your tomorrow is much brighter than what you can ever think. What you can ever think, because it's not in your ability to understand what is his faithfulness, because his faithfulness is greater than what we can ever think of, imagine. That is Jesus. I declare that Jesus who has no limitations. I declare that Jesus who has nothing that can hold him in a box and say, only this Jesus, only if you do this Jesus. I preach a Jesus that is in infinity. I preach bigger than infinity, greater greater. There is no sickness in the world that can put the, and say, Jesus, you're not able to heal this. I do not believe in that. As a church, that is not our destiny. Our destiny is to say, come what may, we have the power and authority because yours is the kingdom and glory to say that be gone in Jesus' name. Sickness be broken. Everything be destroyed. As Alan was praying, oh God, yokes destroyed. Yes, whatever kind of bondage. It's kind of like, you know, we have this little cage and we are like, like this little bird and we think, oh, because we're singing in this golden cage that, oh, our life is full and we are good. No, 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 no. There's a whole world outside that God has set you for, but you think only of the golden cage and how beautiful your house looks and how beautiful your mansion looks. But there is a whole world outside which is much more prettier, much more greater than you can ever think or imagine. Imagine being in the Himalayas this morning. Imagine being on the top of the mountain and saying, I welcome that glory of God. As that sun hits your face and say, this is what God has called to the land. This is what I am called to do. I am called to climb over every mountain. Wherever my feet tread, I have authority. This is what we are called to be. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Every place that Jesus went, people of every kind, every sickness, every demonic interference, everything were healed. Jesus. Everywhere he went. So... Verse 3, 
Judah was the father of Perez, Zerah, and Tamar. Who? Who? Who's that last name? Say it, say it with me. Who? Come on. That, that's the first, like, think of it. It's like, you know, how many Tamars you all know? <laughs> really? How many of you all know Tamar? You know what's crazy? I drilled and I worked on a field in Israel called Tamar. And it was the biggest field in Israel at that time. It generated 50% of the electricity for Israel. And I, I worked on that field called Tamar. And what is funny is that in being, that's Jewish, right? So we, they would say Tamar. And being lived in the Middle East, Tamar is date. The meaning of Tamar is date. You know the date that you eat when you break a fast in the Middle East and all? Either that date or date palm. And that is the significant. And you're like, who? Why is this so significant? But in the genealogy of Jesus, there's a place for Tamar. You see, out of Tamar, when you go down, it's basically you have Ruth. Ruth who married Boaz. And then uh, no, there's Rahab, Rahab before that, right? And then you have uh, Ruth, and then you have Bathsheba. Now think of it, four women, right? I'm giving you four out of this whole genealogy of men. There's four women in this. And not that I'm just saying women are bad. Men are also bad. Okay, there are more men in that than that. You see, hey, just letting you know. It's like I had, I had a very conscious decision to write it over there, saying, don't just make it about women are bad. <laughs> like, you know. But, but, but think of it, four women, right? Here's uh, Tamar, right? Tamar is, she's Jewish, she's, there's nothing bad about her, right? And then you have Rahab. Rahab is a harlot. Like, absolutely bad according to what we understand as good and bad, right? And then you have Ruth, who's a Moabite, who basically has no bearing of what the Jewish customs are, but just follows her mother-in-law and goes around, you know? And I would think she's a good lady, right? I don't think Ruth did anything bad, right? And then there's Bathsheba, who basically is, like, messes up in life, even knowing the Jewish customs and all, and she messes up. In our lives, right? We are either one of these at some point. We, we, we basically are, li like if you grew up in church, you had the luxury of growing up in church, you never messed up or something, you're one of these women. You could be a Tamar, you could be a Ruth. Or, or Ruth is somebody who doesn't know anything and just gets saved, but lived a pure life even outside of you know, Christianity. And there are a lot of people like that. If, I, if you have no idea that there is a... There are people who have lived a very pure life only have now never met Jesus. And, and so to me, it's like these women basically are people who we can account with and we can just say, yes, these are the same kind of people like us, you know, because once we mess up, and this is the other part of it, is like the enemy is here to basically just mess us up. It's like, you know, oh, I got a big chunk. So, so the things that God, the enemy tries to mess us up is finances, health, relationships, you see. But sometimes the core values of our life are just issues that we have never fixed, you see. And those things basically just come and rip us apart. And then what remains is just it looks like this. And there is no shiny, beautiful mansion. There's nothing that looks great about our life. And so what the shame comes over us. And the shame tries to say, you know what, just hide this. I'm nobody. I'm a nobody. Who? Who? Yeah. That's what the enemy does. 
The enemy is not about putting your life back together, but God is in the business of putting your life back together. He is in that business saying, hey, let me restore you. And when I restore you, it will look much better than what you thought you could look like. You never have an understanding of what it feels like, how it will ever look. And that's why I said that to you, Bianca. You would think that, you know, you'd know how to fix their life. But nah, it's not going to happen that way. It's going to be very different. It's going to be greater because it is how God is in our lives. God is the one who fixes our life, makes it more beautiful, you see. And so we go into this uh, Genesis 38. So, so Tamar was the daughter-in-law of Judah, right? I'm going to paraphrase Genesis 38. When you go back home, read it, and, you know, whatever you have to discuss, please call and discuss, and we'll try to figure out if I know what I'm saying, you know, but I'm going to paraphrase it because they're very controversial stuff, which really is not the intent of God to explain to you today. You can go and you can deal with God and get an answer for yourself, whatever you feel is like poking you or like, you know, because, you know, she, the story of Tamar is basically she sleeps with the father-in-law out of deceit, right? And that, you know, was looked down by people and they're just like, oh, how could she ever do this? Right? But I, w I want to basically introduce this chapter to you. So she marries Er. That's a weird name. Like E-R. My name is Er. <laughs> I, Er. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> Think of it as like, you know. But hey, it's Hebrew, right? <laughs> so he gets mad to her, but he does evil in the sight of God and he dies. The funny thing is Er is the name Watcher. The meaning of the name Ur is watcher. There are people in our lives who will just watch and do nothing. <laughs> they will just watch us. Can I get the tissue box? They just watch. Oh, Bianca, how, uh, sorry, Bianca. I, okay, I'll, I'll not put you on the spot all this while, right? Because you, it's like in my sight, I'm basically saying Bianca. Okay, Chris. <laughs> 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 but so, <laughs> there are people who watch our life and we'll say, yeah, keep doing what you're doing, Chris. That's fine. But I will not tell you what to do. I'll not tell you what you have to change or wh what you really are messing up in. And I have no input into his life. But I'm judging him, watching him. Right? And <laughs> to God, sometimes that is evil. Now, he has done must be worse stuff. I don't know what he did because there's no mention of it. And God basically took, takes him out of the picture. You see? Then comes Onan, right? Onan means strength and power. Onan was supposed to carry on the lineage of his brother by getting married to Tamar and giving her a child so that she was not cut off from the family. So literally, if she was cut off from the family, all her property that was supposed to be hers of Judah, we, you know, because Judah had to divide it to his sons, that would get to the other brothers. So he was with that intention, very material. He had the strength and the power to do what he was called to do. He was able to live up to his name, but he didn't. He could have given her the lineage that she needed to carry on the name. But here comes Onan, who basically never did what he was called to do. 
Think of it. There are people in our lives who will come whom we know have the strength and the power to help us and bring us to where we have to go. This is all about our journey to go to where Jesus wants us to be. You see, and they, they, there are people who come into our lives and we look at it, we re recognize the name, we say, yes, they have the power, authority, all that, but man, they're not interested in bringing us to where we have to go. And they just take care of themselves, they satisfy themselves, and they move on. You see, and so when he died, <laughs> there's only a third son named Sheila. And Sheila is like a petition. That's his meaning of the name petition. Sometimes it's like when you think of it, it's like, you know, our lives are living on a prayer. We're living on this last thing that maybe if this comes together, we will get into our destiny, our divine destiny. You know what is funny about Sheila? There's only mention of where he was born in the Bible. It says, Sheila was born at Chizib, C-H-E-Z-I-B. And the meaning of Chizib is delusion and disappointment. <laughs> the thing that you are possibly looking for your life was born in disappointment. Tamar was told is by Judah is when my son Sheila grows up. Okay, so hey, you're waiting for, wait another 20 years, you know, and then you'll get married to this person. But what you don't realize is that person who you think is your destiny was born in disappointment. What you think will fulfill you for your life, whether it's a house, whether it's a dollar amount, whether it's like a big ministry, is all coming from that point of disappointment. Think of it. This is where our call today comes from Jesus. Everything that we decided for our lives all these years, and all of us are very different, I have a different upbringing, and you know, we have gone through different things. But Jesus is saying, it's like, hey, at this point, where do we go from here? He just wants you to take away that limitation. He, he literally wants you to know that Sheila is not your place. Sheila is not what he has appointed for you. Okay? So then comes Tamar, and she's gone. So Judah sends her away. And Judah thought that she was responsible for his son's dying. That's why she, he didn't want to give the third son to her. So he never fulfilled his promise. So even there are godly people in our lives who have the anointing and this thing, and they would never fulfill their promise to you. So don't feel disappointed. I'm talking to you as a church, being real. There'll be people who are under even the anointing who will not fulfill the destiny for your life. Like, you know, they could basically just use you and tell you, okay, go back now. We're done with you. Remember this. A lot of people put a lot of the weight about ministry onto ministers. And then they get disappointed. And for the rest of their life, they never go back to church. And send them back to their father's house where they were messed up. You see, your father in heaven is not about that. Your father in heaven is, wants to bring you to a greater glory. He wants to bring you to a place where he has appointed for you. He wants to cause you to bring forth Right? And so her whole thing is that I need a son. Others, they're kicking me out. You see, when we say the violent take it by force, 
that should remind you. There was no violence of violent sort. But she basically, nothing is measured or written over there. Oh, I got a word from God and God told me to go and sit at the marketplace and put away. Nothing is mentioned over there. But something in her had to stir to basically say, Kumar, your husband, she just heard the thing. Your father-in-law is going to be at the Sheep Shearers Festival. Is like, hey, go over there. And something in her formulated this plan, and she just went over there. And she wore a veil, and basically she acted like she was a prostitute. She didn't say, and he said that, but I have nothing to give you. I'll give you a goat or a kid of a goat. And she said, sure, but how could I promise? Like, how can you, you know, how could I know you'd ever fulfill your promise? And then he gives her his pledge, and he gives her his belt, and he gives her the star. Everything that was of value of showing his reputation, he gives it to her, and he goes away. And so this is the story, and then she goes because she conceives, okay, and then she goes on. There are times where we will meet people in our life where it's just something connects, and then they go their separate ways. As a church, this is where Epicent as a church comes. We have a, a word over our, our church, right, saying that there will come somebody who will write a check for us, this guy in a big cowboy hat. Sure, he'll write maybe a million, maybe 10 million, whatever it is. He'll write, and he could be a Judah, right? He could be a Judah-like that will come, give us what we need, and move away. Because that's what the Bible says. Judah, after that, never ever... Conceive, after he, uh, Tamar conceived, he never ever seen her or got intimate with her. He just went on with his life. But here's Tamar. Tamar's beauty is this. is She goes on and uh, let me see. I, I wrote some points, right? So I have to read that. <laughs> the Spirit of God in us causes us not to stay down but move in our divine destiny. Trusting the Ur, Onan, Sheila, and Judah's in our life will cause us disappointment. And the only seed that she had was what she was living with. The seed, Jesus, when he died, he went into the ground, gave us life. Unless that seed die, we will not bring forth fruit. Unless that seed, Jesus, died, you and all of us in this place would never be here. Think of it. He had to die for us. And I got up yesterday morning very early, and there was a second part. I remember the second part. I don't remember the first part, so forgive me. You know? And I'm telling it to you because there's a reason, because I believe God had spoken to me, but I was so sleepy, and I was just like, what the heck did I write? And I couldn't find a pen. But he said that he was pierced for our transgressions. When he was pierced, I literally seen that piercing. He was already dead. Jesus was dead on the cross, and these guys came and pierced him. And even in that part of dead, dead, out of his body flew blood and water, blood to redeem us. Redemption, even after Jesus lived whatever he had to live and do whatever he had to do, it was still speaking. It was still speaking redemption for us. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what your sin is, how bad you think you are, that redemption is constantly flowing for you. It was after even he died, it was for you. And then was the water. You could feel that you're dead, you're like toast. But that water is here to revive you. The water is here to refresh you. 
The water is here to give you life. You see? And, and that's what Jesus wants you to know. Genesis 38, verse 27 to 30. So she has conceived, now in her womb are twins, right? And this is the funny part of it, right? Because once I finish this part of it, is that's when we'll go in as a church and explore what we are supposed to do, and I'll try to condense it. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twins in the womb. And when she was in labor, one baby put out his hand, and the midwife took his hand and tied a scarlet thread on it, saying, this one was born first. But he pulled back his hand, and the brother, his brother was born first. And she said, what a breach you have made for yourself to be firstborn. So he was named Perez, breach, break forth. Afterward, his brother, who had the scarlet thread, on his hand was born and was named Zara, brightness. Okay, so this is us. We are in this womb of destiny and time. You see, as I was in that place a few weeks ago, I seen a person's face from this church. As I'm in worship over there, I seen a person's face, so track with me right now, okay? And I'm seeing this person's face and a book opens and the pages are blank, okay? I want you to know this, each of you in this place, doesn't matter what was yesterday, this book is opening up for your life and it's blank. Now, because of the seed of God in you, the same Jesus, that God is calling this break forth, God is calling this brightness of God, he is ready to do that for you. I want you to know that seed in you is Jesus, okay? So as an epicenter, as a church, and I will tell you is this, that person, right, who I seen was us as the epicenter. First, I thought it was this individual person. I have to give a person a personal word. And I, I've, in this few years, realized that God is, loves the personal word, but when it comes to me, I try to elevate to that part where I can speak to a broader church base and say, hey, in that sense. And I believe that that person represents the church. And because of that, as a church, we, this is where we are going, okay? Today is Yom Kippur, by the way, and the evening starts Yom Kippur. And this is the high holy day for tonight onwards and all. But I just want us to basically know, this is for us to know, right? And walk with that kind of authority and knowledge of what God wants to bring forth to us. We are like that child who were pushed, who pushed, was in the background, right? Epicenter who? Really, think of it. Epicenter who? Like, we, we, right? You go to these major conferences and you're like, oh yeah, we go to this church epicenter. Where? Where is that? What? Yeah, we, we, we understand that because we've been in those things. And this is what is going to happen is God is going to cause that seed in us. He's going to cause the child in us to break forth. Even it looks like your brother was supposed to come. And it says he's brother. There's no bad blood in those two. Think of it. You could be Christian. You could be a Christian church. You could have different churches. And they were supposed to come forth. They showed that potential of coming forth. And then they withdrew. They withdrew. He withdrew his arm. Do you know why? Because it's time for us to come forth. It's time. And I, I want you to buy in on this. 
that it doesn't matter how it looks, it doesn't matter like, oh, we waited 40 years, oh, this is this thing, there are only so few people over here, the chairs are empty. You know what's funny? I, sat, I stood at the back and God kept saying this, remind the church, Tamar had to come to the crossroad. She had to come to the crossroad where it was not very good for her to come. It was not the, what do you call it? Give me a word, ethical thing for her to do, right? But Tamar, the church, has to come to the crossroads of where the people are, where there's this kind of like, you know, just weird interaction. It will not be normal, unconventional. Get ready for those kind of things. There are, there are places where you're going to go. And, I, you know, because immediately our thinking mind will go, oh, we have to do outreach, oh, we have to do this. No, there are so many crossroads that you go to. There are so many tables and restaurants and bars or whatever y'all, everybody goes to and you all sit down and you're going to meet people over there. That's where the church is. Where you go is the church. You are the representative of Jesus and this is where you're going. And I believe that, that this time, that this is where we are going, right? I know of this event next week, right? Of the event at the stadium. And I know that we are doing worship and all. But I want to tell you, irrespective of that, that God is up to something. God wants to cause the seed that is in you to burst forth. He wants you to say, I'm going to... He says, Perez, you have made a breach for yourself. Tamar, you have went and you have basically sat on the street and you have created your own lineage. But yes, that is God. I want you to know that. It is not even written. It's like God spoke to Tamar and said, Tamar, go and sit on the street. No, no, no. It's a gray area. Life is there. Life goes on. People do life. And now in the midst of that, Something in you has to bother you to cause you to say, I have to break out. It's not going to be like, yeah, Chris, come, let me take you. Oh, sweet Chris. Oh, come, come, come. Stand in your destiny. No, 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 no. Something in you has to break out. Something in you has to stir you and say, I am not for this place. What I have in me is greater. It's greater. Yeah, I can sit and I can build this building and I can just do everything and it means nothing. I want you to see that. That is how our life sometimes is and we think, oh yeah, it looks pretty. Don't you look, I collected this brick from Greece and I collected this from Germany and I put all this junk on my fridge and I basically have a collection of things that basically have no value. I'm not causing the things of God to come forth. What? in you has to stir. I want you to go out of this place with that in you burning. With that burning that you say, Jesus, I want to come and give this to you. That's what we want in this. I knew I had that preach on me. I knew it. It's just like I can't even explain to you. It would be like I had this TDJX anointing just rushing on me. And I was like, wait, I don't even have those kind of suits. Huh. But I just knew that preach was there because God wants and he's interested in your life. The same Jesus wants you to say, get up, get up, stand up, get up, move, move, get to the next place, move into the next thing, build again, build again. Ah, don't sit down, don't try to put his like, oh, poor me. Ah, gone are those days. Create your own legacy. 
create your own lineage. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of his side flew water so that you had life. And now out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Where do you want that river to go? Go where he's taking you. Go where that river is going. River of waters. Bring life wherever you go. And I believe that the Holy Spirit in us is going to cause us to move. You see, I'm giving, Vince, if I had the beauty of like knowing every little thing of your lives, I would have given it to you all and said, here's the roadmap, go. But this is the journey of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to take you to the place where you have to go. Yeah, you don't have to be confined to the four walls of your house and say that you achieved the world and live your life and say, oh, look at my beautiful house. There is what it looks like in heaven. In heaven, we have a golden streets. We have beautiful more mansions because of what we basically live our lives out over here. Build that mansion great. Build the name of Jesus great. Let the name of Jesus that every time you glorify, you say Yeshua. You just say Yeshua. Say it. Yeshua. Because you know why we say it? Because the anointing comes on our head. The anointing that basically causes us to move into the things of God. The anointing causes us to move into the things of God. You know, and now, when the church breaks forth, this is what I got to tell you. When the paraises of our life break forth, the terrors of our life, the zeras of our life, the brightness, the glory of God will come. You see, it's not about one it's about what is the fulfillment of the, that waters will cover the sea, that the glory of God will come and cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That is what it is for. It is not that I came, I met you, I said hello to you, we drank coffee, we ate lunch, and we said, yeah. Oh, yeah, that I did my house, I built my house, and I did everything. No, 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 we are here to see the glory of God come on this earth. This is who we are called to be. But you'll just know it was God. What do I have to do? I don't know. Okay, God, tell me what I have to do. And one day at a time. One day at a time. That's the way we're going. You see? And this is what God has called us to do. So this is what I am announcing to you. This is what I'm declaring to you. That as a church, we are going to break forth. Okay? It doesn't matter what the time frame is. We are not these people. Our time frame is from Jesus. Our words of life come from Jesus. You have the words of life. Where else can we go? I don't have a plan. I don't have a tent. I don't have something to establish. But God, your glory, your name to be established on the earth as the waters cover the sea. Let your glory come. Let your glory come. So Father, we just come. Stand up with me. Father, we come to you this morning as a church. And we come and we stand and we say, Lord, the seed that you have put in us, the seed of God that you have put in us, the seed that has no restriction, every kind of bondage, every kind of cage, every kind of entrapment even around that seed, we break it off and we break forth as perezes. We break forth, O oh God, that Lord, that if you say, O oh God, that we have victory, O oh God, we have victory, O oh God. So we just break forth, O oh God, right now. Right now, everything in us, everything in us, speak to that seed in you. Speak to that seed in you. Seed, you can no longer be seed because the real living seed, Jesus, died that I may have life and may have life abundant. 
that out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. These waters are supposed to water the nations of the world. These nations of the world are supposed to bring forth crop, bring forth many sheaves, and they will be as an offering to Jesus. This is what is my divine destiny. I have a glorious lineage out of the root of Jesus, out of the root of Jesse, out of the root of David. Praise, worship, tabernacle, that is mine. What is required for the tabernacle? That is what I will decide. I will give. Because the glory has to fill the room where the priests cannot minister. I don't want to minister, God. In this holy even atmosphere, I don't want to minister. My flesh needs to die. So, Father, we just pray. We just want to see that glory come. Let your glory come. Let your glory come, God. Let your glory come. Let your glory come. One taste, one drink for a lifetime, God. Let your glory come, oh God. Oh, people rave and say that they drank the finest alcohol or they drank the finest waters out there. But God, you have the wine that we need, oh God. The wine that gives us great joy. Let your glory come. So, Father, tonight, as a church, O oh God, stepping into this Yom Kippur, O oh God, this high holy day, O oh God, Father, we pray, O oh God, as a church, O oh God, that we call in, O oh God, our destiny, O oh God. We call in all the destiny words, O oh God. We break every form of delay, O oh God. We break every form of disappointment, O oh God. We pray every kind of fixation, O oh God, with the chizebs, O oh God, of our life, O oh God, of yesteryears, O oh God, and of the past, O oh God. And we just say, O oh God, what people even told us, O oh God, that what is going to be our destiny, what is going to be that. Father, we give you the authority, O oh God, to come and recreate, O oh God. Recreate, O oh God. Holy Spirit, let your fresh wind. This is what we need, a fresh wind, O oh God. Release that fresh wind, O oh God. Just release that fresh wind, O oh God. That, Lord, every other thinking, O oh God, crumbles, O oh God. Every other thinking, O oh God, every other house, O oh God, that we try to build, O oh God, not on the rock, Jesus, O oh God, comes to nothing, O oh God. Ha! I'm sorry to disappoint you, but every other thing that will be shaken will be shaken and will be brought down if it is not of Jesus. Ha ha. You can act like it is of Jesus. You can think it is of Jesus. You can make people think, oh yeah, this is what Jesus did for me by saying it. But I have news for you. Jesus is ready to shake things because he wants the true church to come forth. So let the truth in you, the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever arise. And I release that. Speak it. Say, I release that over my life. I release that over my life. I release that over this church. I release that over this body of Christ, O oh God, that we may go forth in things, O oh God, that we are called to do. Raise the dead. Raise the dead. Raise the dead. Even the least of us will raise the dead as everyday kind of thing. It will just happen because we don't have a concept of how to raise the dead. So get rid of the concept of what you know so far. <laughs> if you think about all the church building philosophies and all the church building conference, God bless them. But Father, we want what you want for our lives, so God. 
We want to know, God, what you want, O oh God, who you want us to disciple, O oh God. Lord, bring in, O oh God, the worst, the worst, worst, worst of them, O oh God. And that's fine, O oh God, because, Lord, as long as you are in it, O oh God, that, Lord, you will cause the change, O oh God. We don't have to change people's hearts, O oh God, but you will change people's hearts, Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we just release that anointing, O oh God. And I, I, I have this sense, Alan, I have this sense, even as today goes on, we're going to build on this. There's going to be a building on this. There's going to be a building on this because I just see this balloon and I see another balloon and I see another balloon and it's just going bigger and bigger and it's different colors and it's different things. And I just believe that we, as a church, oh God, so we pray, oh God, that the breath of God fill these balloons, oh God. The breath of God just it causes us to expand, O oh God. The breath of God, O oh God, causes us to move, O oh God, in every dimension, O oh God, where you want us to. Oh, but balloons have to look round. Oh, no, no, no. I have news for you. Balloons could look whichever way God wants them to look. He is the one who is the creator. He is my limitation. I have no limitation other than Jesus. So rock on. Rock on. I just believe that strength of God is just causing us, O oh God, that is what is what God wants. So, Father, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you that your name be glorified, O oh God. That the name of Yeshua, O oh God, rings, O oh God. Even as the 24 elders in heaven throw the crowns down, O oh God. Even as all of heaven and earth, O oh God, rejoice, O oh God, and sing the beautiful name, O oh God, of Jesus, O oh God. That, Lord, that resounding sound, O oh God, goes forth into the four corners of the earth, O oh God. And it causes a stir, O oh God. And we say we release that, O oh God. Even in our movement, O oh God. Even in our movement, O oh God. And we just declare, out of us shall arise nations. Out of us shall arise nations, even from the least of us. Because there is no least. Jesus' kingdom is built out of the least. Ha. So we just bless you. We just bless you. In Jesus' name we pray.